0: Hey everybody and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm Matt. I'm hosting this shindig and with me is my magnificent co-host Joe Perez. How you doing Joe?
1: Uh, fantastic. I feel like I just gotten a whole lot of uh, lovely conversation about dinosaurs out of the way. So uh, if you are listening to this uh, and you are not a uh, subscriber to one of our Patreon tiers, consider it because then you get the unedited podcast and you get to hear us talk about, you know, dinosaurs. It's great. Pre-shows, Pre-show's
0: wild, y'all. Yeah, if you, if you are interested in dinosaurs, that is. I mean, if you're not, then it was probably pretty boring. And I didn't get in nearly enough about synapsids. But anyway, um, I did manage to get some in, and that's always good. <laughs> synapsids, or the mammal-like reptiles, as they're called. Oh, sorry, forgot, wrong show. Wrong show. Anyway, this week we're going to try and do as many questions as possible, um, because, quite frankly, stuff's kind of quiet right now. We, we had the, the Hearthstone podcast last week, so we covered a lot of Hearthstone stuff, and... Uh, other stuff, we don't really like Overwatch 2. We don't really know much more than we did the last time we talked about it. They've, they've shrunk the game down to 5v5 instead of v 6 That's basically all we really know right now. So, yeah, we're going to... We still don't know when patch 9.1 is coming out uh, either. You know, it's the testing is going. They're testing raid encounters right now. Uh, when that will come out, my money's on late July.
1: Yeah, um, I, think, I, I think that's a pretty good bet.
0: I don't know. So, yeah, we're going to just do as many of your questions as possible. Uh, as is always the case, you can get your questions to us in a couple of ways. The first is to go to our Discord server and go to the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel or the uh, Q Questions channel, both of which we look at for questions. We do go to the Patreon one first because patrons pay the bills and that's one of the benefits they get so if you want to be a patron you, you get a better chance of getting your question answered here on the queue uh or you can email us and you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line uh podcast or blizzard watch so we know it's for the show or you can do what a lot of people do and go either show and then it's just basically a free-for-all where joe and i you know it, it's a lot of hair pulling and, and clothes getting ripped and i'm screaming and all that it, it, it's basically like black friday sale at toys r us
1: oh i miss toys r us
0: yeah, I you don't have, because we still have them. You still there. have them. We don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, but many ways
0: that you know, it's it's nice to live in Canada.
1: Socialized one of, one of med- many reasons. And toys. One day I'll be able to go across the border again and get toys. It'll be great. Yeah. But if but you're anyway, ready, uh, we can start cracking in on those questions.
0: Go for it,
1: man. All right. Our first one comes from Zul. Let's suppose Blizzard put an item in the shop that allowed you to auto-complete one quest per day. What's the one quest you would use it on without thinking twice? Uh, None of them. I'm weird in that way. I don't mind questing. I don't like repetitive questing, which is why I tend to not do uh, daily quests very, very often unless they're like stupendously fun. But I haven't really come across a quest that I just want to, like, complete, or pay to complete. Um, I think I know the inspiration for this, and or possibly, and Zul can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, but in Final Fantasy 14, you can actually pay to advance the story and have part of the main story quest, or MSQ, um complete it or, or get to that point so that you don't have to do it and it's more aimed at people replaying or starting over again than it is people just looking to skip content I don't know if WoW necessarily needs something like that and I don't know if there's a quest that really rubs me that wrong of a way that you are required to do that you can't avoid otherwise that would require something it's like not that.
0: not a quest though. Go for it. The Maw Starting Zone
1: that's, yes, but that's not a quest. I will I will get on that one, though. If they gave me the ability to just pay them money to get me out of the Maw at the beginning, 100%. 100%.
0: I mean, I, I the, the Maw bottleneck is the main reason I don't have as many alts to 60 as I could. Because it is just... Once you've done it enough times, it's like, you know, I'm sitting here going, Oh, God, now I have to listen to Thrall Talk for five minutes. Uh, it's just... It, this is a situation where they really need one of those, I've already done the Maw, you know, like one of those, I've heard this story, can we just move on bit that they, they've put in in previous expansions for things. They need to stick one of those on the Maw. I get why they might not want to, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, I would, if, if you could pay money to skip the Maw, then I would do so. And, and I'm not talking like all of it, but just get get me to the end bit so I can move through and be done. It, and I, it's,
1: I, not, it's not that it's a bad experience. It's just a long experience. And I think maybe that's where you you, you branch this out and maybe it becomes a, an idea or an option that I, I could latch on to is instead of just a single quest, maybe it's something like a one time purchase per character where like certain long intro events or certain long events it lets you complete. I, I'm not saying that they should do this because, you know, I, I not necessarily I don't necessarily think it's a a good monetization model but Absolutely yes, not. But doing something where, like, you, we see you've already completed the maw. Would you like to pay X amount of gold to just get to the last four quests? Okay, here you go. Like Or some- even
0: one of the things I was thinking about was, if you want to do Threads of Fate, you still have to do the maw. That's the only content that you can't get around. Like, you can skip everything else and just do Threads of Fate. You yep. don't have to do zones, you don't have to do... Like, you can just do Threads of Fate. You can't do Threads of Fate until after you've done the Maw and gotten to Oribos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd say make Threads of Fate, just start. Like, you can just start Threads of Fate, boom. If And that way you can level di- and not have to do the exact same thing yet again. And, I mean, that has its own problems. Like, there's there's reasons why Threads of Fate is not ideal for everybody, Absolutely. But at least then it would be an option. I don't... But here's the thing. I, I really don't want them to start monetizing things like
1: I, this. I would agree. And, I, and I, think, I think it works for some things and doesn't work for others. Like, the reason I think it works for Final Fantasy XIV is because Final Fantasy XIV is very much heavy on the RPG side of things. Uh, and I often joke that it is the best single-player RPG that I've played in years because I don't play with other people in it. I just kind of do the main story quest and only deal with people when I have to. But I could see something like that working there because it feels more like a single-player experience. WoW I don't think is built for that. I don't think it would fit well with that idea.
0: Also, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to even say this, but I feel like it does have to be addressed. The, the community for each game is different as well. Agreed. Um, WoW has a lot of people who are extremely easily angered by anything microtransaction-y. To the point where they, they're angry about, like, store mounts and mm-hmm. store pets. Uh, if they put in something like, you know, skip a quest or skip con- skip content by paying, the uproar would be phenomenal. It would never end. There would just be so much of it. And, frankly, it would make game, game playing, like just tedious for me. It's tedious for me already having to deal with that kind of outrage all the time, much less having to play the game with people so angry. No, I I absolutely think that would be a terrible idea for World of Warcraft. It doesn't have the...
1: The player base isn't ready for it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. the player base would not handle it very well. So, yeah, yeah, I I think, please never allow this. Wow. Um, (laughs) There's lots of stuff that I'm I'm totally down for uh, microtransactions on, but not not skipping content in that way i think if they put in something that allowed people to say get around the mall or whatever they should just put that in i would agree Uh, yeah or even if there's like i don't know I, i just generally think that that should just be something that's accessible in the game
1: i would tend to agree so um i think we can move on to the next one let's see if anything else you want to say on that we covered it Cool. Uh, greetings, watchers of the games we play. I have a question about the Drust. Is it me, or does their story seem somewhat incomplete? Sure, we thwarted the efforts of Gorak Tool and Lady Waycrest in BFA. Had Blizzard left it their story, uh, it there, the story would have been wrapped up in a nice little bow. Thread over. Quest complete. However, the story thread for this uh, seafaring folk appears again in Ardenwald this time led by Gorak Zar in Shadowlands. While the effort was also thwarted, I can't help but feel as though this is the beginning of something bigger. This is now back to back expansions with Drust playing a minor major role in the story, and while their want for vengeance has failed thus far, I wonder if another threat is about to reveal itself doesn't seem like we have gotten a proper story arc with the Drust. Had they been excluded from Shadowlands, I might think differently. Do you think they will play a larger role in what is to come, or will they simply be a race of baddies wizard as to the game here and there to give New Zones content thoughts? Uh, I cannot pronounce this name, so I'm going to say Time War Pagan. uh, He's an orc warrior, or they are an orc warrior from Area 51 US. Matt and I actually talked about this a while ago on Lore Watch, it's an interesting thing, but it's also fascinating that you think that we won because I don't know that we did. And I think Stopped that's them
0: temporarily yeah. but I absolutely feel that it's, they kind of got at least some of them got through that portal.
1: Yeah. And if you didn't do the Ardenwald story stuff, I think it's not very evident for for players. But there is a big thing where you are trying to stop that portal from remaining open. It's already open. Things are going through it. Um, you are literally fighting against a, a tide of the drust, uh not necessarily I don't even know if I would call them trust, mask wearing uh night fay that have been converted or possessed uh to get to uh Gor-Xar to shut down the portal. But saying that we won? Eh not necessarily. Also, I think that also has a factor in playing into what happens going forward into patch 9.1 because anything that happens in Ardenwald, Ardenwald is still reeling from that attack because don't forget that attack wasn't just one event. That campaign, the entirety of that campaign involving the Drust was technically a very long drawn out, drawn out war of attrition with grove after grove falling to the Drust. There's a scene in one of the quests where you're getting your wings and you're getting your gift uh, because you did good. Yay, you helped out and everybody's happy. And then you're in the air and you look around and there's just this sea of possessed Night Fae, like just descending. And I think it's Hibernal Hollow. And it's not a few. It's like an army's worth a massive crushing wave of them so there's a lot of damage that was done and you're still technically recovering from it even after you close that portal because the drust are still there they're not ejected from Ardenweld. you stop Goragzar, but you can go in those different pockets or areas the drust are still there you still have to you know work on driving them out but they're they're dug in so does the story feel incomplete in terms of they're still around and we haven't finished it? Yes, because as you point out, we didn't deal with Gorak Tull at all, and he definitely got away. We dealt with Lady Waycrest, but all we did was kill her. And where do dead things go? We know that the Dress are adjacent to the Shadowlands in some capacity, so possibly somewhere there as well. They're still around, and I think Blizzard will do something with them in the future, and I think they're just setting up for something more with them. But I don't think it's going to do anything with Shadowlands. I think it's going to be back in Azeroth, because that's sort of their whole thing. The Drust want to get back to, for lack of a better term, the Prime Material plane. They want to come back to life. That's their goal. And so anything that revolves around them and their plans, we're going to be dealing with probably in that space, right? And I'll shut up so Matt can talk and add his two cents.
0: And one of the things that we we don't know yet is exactly if there will be any more drust in this expansion, because we know like we know that the Kyrian campaign continues. There's more Kyrian stuff. I mm-hmm. uh, don't know what's going on with other covenants. We don't know if there's a a, a really big Ventir story, really big. You know, probably if they're if they've got more stuff for the Kyrian, one assumes they've got more stuff for the other three covenants. <clears throat> and the Drust were so central to the to the Ardenwell campaign it's possible we will do more with them in 9.1 in addition we're also going to like a whole new place and dealing with other stuff so uh, we don't know for sure yet what's going on with that but I do think that Joe is onto something with the concept of that portal was open for a while and when you get there to stop it, when you get there to defeat um, Goraxal and, and close the portal, you see things going through it. Goraxar. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I keep saying Zul. Um, you see things going through the portal. We
1: don't and, know what those are. Yeah, those could be Those could be drus sorcerers. Those could be drus priests. Those could be drus druids. Yeah,
0: yeah whatever they are, they're going through the portal. Um, and when you're in, we're talking about um, the BFA drus storyline. I don't think that was even well end capped either, because Gorak Tol was gone for eons. He had basically He'd effectively annihilated his own people by, by turning them into like constructs. Mm-hmm. That's the act that he, cre- he basically created the, uh, there's that tree in, in, um, in Drustvar, the one that links to the, uh, to Thros, the Wailing Land and the creation of Thros is in of itself and it's an abomination. It's, it's cut off from the natural order. It's like Ardenweald is what's supposed to happen. It's the it's the the, the death realm for the natural world. It's the cycle of life, birth, life, death, rebirth.
1: Thros That's is kind of like nature. the forsaken of the cosmos.
0: Thros is literally cutting yourself off from that cycle so that you can keep fighting. Now they they rip themselves out of death so that they could keep fighting that war with the with the the humans in Calteris, mm-hmm. and in the process of doing that. They made themselves, like they're not even undead. They're just outside death. They, they're these, their essence is in these like machines and 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 twig monsters and so forth. What they're doing in Ardenweld, the the entire purpose of everything they're doing in Ardenweld was to get to that portal, because that's the and, that's the one you use when you, when you're doing your your conservatory, and you're you're like. Bringing back wild seeds, and they they get ref- they that's where they go. You see them go through it. Mm-hmm. That's where things go to be reborn.
1: It's the same. And it's so, the same star pattern too. Like if you look at it, it's intentionally the same star pattern.
0: As a result, when they did that, some of them got to be reborn. Because that's what that portal is for. That's the entire reason they were attacking Ardenweald in the first place, was to hijack Ardenweald's cycle of rebirth to backdoor themselves into life. And, and because the- they didn't get there any other way. They they cut themselves out of the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, so they had to find a new way back.
1: And the Druston... And they're not exactly ones that would like once they have that portal. They're not going to let like the grunts go through first, right? That's that's not kind of their thing. They're going to. They're smart enough. They're calculating enough. Important pieces of whatever their plan is will move through first. And I think that's also important to note. They're not just soldiers being sent through, right? These are potentially dangerous. uh, Well, uh, very dangerous, but potentially. Uh, more powerful entities possibly that are being returned. And we don't know what that means either, right? Like we don't know what a drust return to life equates to. Um, we don't we know, do know what that, that the looks drust, like.
0: The drust are similar to uh the Mogu in that they found a way around being mortal.
1: Mogu
0: mm-hmm. did it by basically turning themselves back to stone. Yep. They essentially revert, as they point out, reverse engineered the curse of flesh so they, they, they reverted themselves back to being stone things. Uh, the Drost kind of did similar in that they, were, they took their souls out of their bodies and put them in constructs. But in doing so, they broke the cycle of life and death and, and created Thros. It's that abomination that has kept them sustained this whole time. It's that, ab- it's that same thing that they do when they put the masks on Night Fae and possess them. They're putting their souls into the masks and the masks onto their victims. They're riding the Night Fae bodies, much as they ride the Constructs back in the mortal world. We've never seen like, like, Gorak Tull wasn't alive when we saw him. He'd, he'd given himself over to Thros. He was separate from the cycle. Mm-hmm. We've not seen a living thru, a living Drost. We th- we're, we're told they're very similar to Vrykul because they are an offshoot of the Vrykul. That's just been flat out said. But we don't know anything about their culture. Before it was destroyed, and the only few we know of are like the thorn speakers like there's only one living Drust druid uh and and that's it. he's one of them he He's currently alive on Tiras. The rest are all gone, like and- we meet one uh, in in Ardenweald. There's one Drust Druid that you meet while you're doing the Ardenweald quests who is like before that their culture fell before Gorak tool you know led them down the path he did that one you know lived died and was taken to the shadowlands where it, it became part of arden and is now serving in arden so there were drust who were like you know completely respecting of the cycle of life and death but because they didn't take part in thros they're not part of Thro- of the current dress culture and that culture i mean i don't know when we're going to see more of it i do think we should see more of it absolutely i do um and I think that this, I think if nothing else, Ardenweld has set, has set them up to bring the dress back as an actual force. Like enough of them went through that portal. There could be like, how, do, how does the circle of, uh, cycle of rebirth work for them? We don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they going to be reborn? Are they going to just, you know, physically incarnate? Are they going to like be born inside other people? Like, are the, are the humans of, of Kul going to start having kids who turn out to be really weird and those kids grow up to be drossed? I don't know. We don't know how this is going to work. But it is something absolutely, I think both Joe and I agree, that it is a story that definitely needs to be seen more in the future. I don't know when they'll see more of it. Um, I don't think, I think Joe's right. It is not likely that it will be a heavy part of Shadowlands going forward. We, we, we're pretty focused on the Jailer right now.
1: Yeah, if anything, I think at the end of it or towards the end of this expansion, we might get a snippet or something. But it'll be a breadcrumb that leads us into some future content with them. Uh, because, again, the, the time of the dress is not over. It's just we're it's not in this plane of existence. And I think that was made very clear. Like if you play Arden, uh, play through the Ardenwell co- like campaign story and you deal with the Thorn Speaker, they know that something else is coming, too. Right, like they, they don't know exactly what Garak Tool, Garak Tool is up to, but they know that something is coming. They can feel it. They talk about that. Uh, so there, there's definitely set up for that, and we'll see more of it. Absolutely. Uh, but we can move on to our next question, which is from our good friend Tetsemi. Question for Blizzard Watch. Sequel expansion system changes. Coming from Mass Effect 1 to 2, they changed the weapon from using radiating heat to using ammo clips. They also, and I'm working backwards, wanted an upgrade system with a currency to buy after discovery, so they figured planetary resources. But they reduced the number of planet missions, Mako, from ME1 to ME2, so they had to come up with a different acquisition method, hence the active player planet scanning system to get resources. Neither of these changes really felt like they made the gameplay better, just different to me. What systems in Blizzard games have gone through the same arc, changed but not improved, or gotten better in the expansion slash sequel game? Good question. Um, I feel like the obvious answer is the mission table. It's one of the few things that has carried over between expansions, and I don't necessarily know that it's gotten better. Uh, When the mission table was first introduced, it wasn't a terrible thing. Um, It wasn't fantastic. It wasn't super engaging, but I felt like it was a little more important, and at least you paid attention to it, and it gave you things that were relevant at the time. And whether it was the mission table, shipyard, that stuff, it made a certain amount of sense. But moving it to the other expansions, it just kind of felt like a carryover, and it didn't really feel like it was something that added anything to the gameplay experience, at least not to me. And even the current implementation, while it has a new animation, when you watch the missions sort of go through, and yes, technically it's an upgrade, it's still not engaging. I find it less engaging than the original incarnation. Um, So I... I think for me, that is the one that has changed, but not improved uh, since its introduction. And I know some people feel very strongly that Legion was a really good uh, mission table. Like, it, that was the best it's ever it was, but I still didn't care about it as much as I cared about it in Warlords or Draenor. And again, this is purely subjective, and your mileage may vary. I just want to make sure we throw that out there. Uh, what about you? Is there a system that's
0: carried over that has changed, but not improved? That you want to call out? I mean, it's difficult to to, to know if this really counts as a system because it's really more of like a series of systems. But the various borrowed power stuff that we've seen, the um, AP. Well, we've had it as you know, artifact power, then anima, it's not anima, a... then artifact power, then Azorite, and now anima, and I think the artifact was the most compelling version of it that we've ever had because it felt really integral to the expansion it felt cool because you know you, you were getting like this actual iconic weapon that you know even if it wasn't one you'd ever heard of because a lot of them they had to just make up new ones because there wasn't anything they could they could pull out uh, a lot of them still felt really cool um or or sometimes it was like you know the doom hammer or you know I want to say Ashkandi, but no, not Ashkandi. The Ashbringer, thank you. I was going to say yeah,
1: Ashbringer.
0: Yep. Eventually, may have the Ashbringer. Or, you know, the Scepter of Sargeras, what have you. There were ones that were really like, oh, wow, that... And there were others that were like, when you found out the history of them, are like, oh that's really cool. Like the Silver Hand or the, the Sword of Thoradin. Um, there, was, there was a lot of interesting stuff to it. And that made it feel alive and part of the expansion. It felt like more than just a system. Where you, you know, and it had, it still had its problems. A lot of people felt like, oh my God, artifact power is ridiculous. To the point where the the acquisition became logarithmic and you were like acquiring billions of attack, of like artifact power. It's like, what? Why is this system like this? What, who hurt you, artifact power? But nevertheless, it was still, it felt integral and part of the thing. But it did not, Azerite uh, did not, the Azerite armor did not feel as good. Um, it ended up basically just being like a chore it was like it was like you, you had to spec your armor mm-hmm. it's like did anybody want to have to spec their armor their armor now has a talent spec you have to get the right armor with the right powers and pick the right powers and it was just like yeah i'm not i'm not feeling this it's not cool like the the artifact was and it's not like it doesn't it's kind of trying to take the legendaries from legion and and the artifact from legion and make them one thing and it ended up just not feeling right and then in the same expansion corruption came around and corrupted gear actually had a lot to go for like people did a lot of people didn't like it but i felt like corruption was a better system than the artifact i mean then are the artifact than azurite armor like i almost wish they'd done corruption the whole time and not done the azurite armor Because there wasn't any resource to gather for corruption. Mm -hmm. You weren't out farming up, you know, more, you know, Azerite or anything like that. It was just there. You were just, it was just there and you could like get, you know, you could, you could play with it as much as you wanted to. Technically
1: at the end there was, because you could use the the currency from the Visions of Nazoth and the raid to purchase uh, specific corruptions at the end there. Yeah.
0: And that was fine too, though. I feel, I felt like that was a good adjustment to the system. I felt like corruption felt like a more ideal, a more realized system, but it still didn't feel as good as the, as the artifact. Did. Yeah. And I think, I think you're
1: right. And I, and I, I just want to call it out because like, I, I, I liked artifacts, not necessarily the like grinding stuff. Cause I don't, I'm not a grind type person, but I felt like it was way more integrated than a lot of the other stuff. Like you make a really good point there. Uh, Like the things that you would unlock, the different stories and the different things that you could like that you earned alongside of just unlocking different powers or traits made it feel, in my opinion, better than it has since. And you're right about Azurite armor. Uh, Anima is probably the least obtrusive version of it, just because literally you don't have to do anything with it if you don't want to. And you can just use it to buy cosmetic stuff. Um,
0: yeah, it's at least obtrusive, but it's also the least really like. It doesn't feel like this is anything you should yeah. keep really care, unless you're really trying to get your, you know, your base. Like they, they basically transformed it into the home base thing, and it's like it's, it's like resources. using artifact power to unlock your your garrison.
1: Yeah, it's war resources it all over like.
0: again. It feels like war resources, and that's the kind of thing. Like, war resources really are kind of the, they they existed in Battle for Azeroth as well, but. The war resources do feel like the the predecessor to this kind of borrowed power system. All of this borrowed power system, by the way, I, I wrote a post about this a while back. I'm really am of the opinion that this is basically just Blizzard saying people really like leveling in our in our MMOs. Like at Warlords of Draenor, for instance, people like raved about the leveling. The leveling experience was like the best part of that expansion. And they're like, how do we make it so people just keep leveling forever? And that's what all these borrowed power systems do. You're you're not wrong. They make, they make it so you're just always leveling. And the problem is, is there's diminishing returns on that. Uh, it doesn't feel good forever because you keep saying, well, we did this already. And I feel like that's where we are right now with borrowed power systems. I think that they're aware of it too. I, I believe uh, Ian Hazacostas has said so. I think in general what comes next needs to be a return to the feeling like the, the problem with systems like this, the problems with like the systems, like the artifact had this problem uh Azerite armor really had this problem. And we're still kind of having it with covenants and so forth. Like, you never feel done. And because you never feel done, you never feel like there was a, the way that it worked in the original game, going back to like, you know, all the way back to wrath. We'll, we'll, we'll stop at wrath because cataclysm kind of com- Kind of complicates it, but we'll, we'll go to, from from vanilla to wrath. You would you would level through, you would get to maximum level, and then you'd be maximum level as you did what they called end game. And end game was basically just it was it, there were some quests, but it was mostly just raiding and dungeons. And in a lot of ways, end game has gotten a lot better. It's a lot more sophisticated. There's a lot more stuff to do, and that's good. And I don't want to lose that, but The thing about Endgame in those in the original, the the original game and the first two expansions was you never felt even when you were like, you know, getting better gear, you were kind of it was it was a hidden power power system in that your better gear made you able to do more stuff.
1: Mm hmm.
0: So you'd go to Molten Core and get gear, which made you strong enough to go to Blackwing Lair and get gear. And then they put in AQ, which was a side raid to to Blackwing Lair. So you could also do AQ and get gear if you weren't getting it in Blackwing Lair. And eventually that gear made you good enough that you could go and do Naxxramas when that came out. And that was was the borrowed power system. You were getting more power from gear, from tier sets. Mm -hmm. That's how you were doing it. And it it had some significant problems, like the RNG nature of gear acquisition. Or the fact that that some
1: of those sets could outlive their their counterparts and usefulness for sometimes expansions. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, That's totally true. And that's why in in Burning Crusade, we saw the system get stuff like badges of justice added to it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. you you know let you buy gear if you just weren't getting drops you could buy gear that was on level with it. It well, usually wasn't quite as good, but it was, you know, close enough that it would it would help you as you progressed. And then you ended up with what happened in, in Wrath of the Lich King, which in my opinion, again we're talking about systems that change as you go on. Wrath of the Lich King added stuff like hard modes. And it added a lot of of vendor gear. And kind of as a result uh, Wrath of the Lich King had the worst gearing of any expansion that had come to that point. And I, I would argue it was significantly worse than Cataclysm's gearing, which kind of tried to rein it in.
1: With the with the exception, I would say, of, of making legendaries feel important, uh, I would agree with you.
0: Uh, I mean, the legendary caster weapon felt important, but you didn't get the legendary melee weapon until the last raid and by the time you got through all that the you basically had had to kill the lich king a few times to, to really get that sure, weapon yeah. and th- so it didn't feel important at all Valinir, sure Valinir felt important because you get Valinir and alduar and then you used it for two raids but Shadowmorn is really cool but i i mean i i didn't even try to get it in wrath because i didn't need it I tanked most of the time, and when I did DPS, I just used the other weapons that dropped that were almost as good. Um, so yeah. But the thing about Wrath gearing, the, 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 the way that the system, I feel, kind of broke the game for a long time, was because of the hard modes, gear ha- gear from hard modes had to be better than gear that dropped normally. Like if you're doing um, Sartharion with like you know, all the drakes up, there has to be some better gear that drops, right? That makes sense. Yeah. There, there could be a reason to do it, but that means now that the next raid tier has to be better than that, because you want people to get upgrades when they do the new content. You don't want people going through Alduar and not getting any upgrades. So you put in the the the, the gear item level of the you know Ulduar, the 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 ten man version is better than stuff you get from Sarth and so forth, and the hard modes in War then made it even worse. So now you're like you know okay now the the, the gear in the next raid, uh, the Trial of the Crusader that that has to be even be- better gear. So instead of having hard modes, we're just literally going to have normal and hard difficulty. So we now have 10 man normal, 10 man heroic, 25 man normal, which drops gear at the same level as 10 man heroic, and 25 heroic. Now you've basically made it. So that the next expansion, the next raid in the expansion has to drop better gear than that. Mm -hmm. And you've created this stratification where by the time we get around to Ice Crown and Ruby Sanctum, there's like, there's four levels of gear in that raid. Because there's, there's 10 man normal, 10 man heroic, 25 normal, which is the same as 10 man heroic and 25 heroic. And then there's like the Lich King fight, which dropped even better stuff. And by the end of the expansion, the, the range of gear was, like, like, the entirety of Burning Crusade gear, like, item levels. The, like, to the start of Burning Crusade, to the end of Burning Crusade, was, like, one-third the size of the jump in Wrath of the Lich King. They just made it super complex and super broad. So, like, by the time you were, like... And meanwhile, because of stuff like armor penetration... There was a there was a trinket called Grim Toll that dropped in Nax.
1: Oh, yep,
0: yep. That was still the best trinket you could get until a trinket that dropped in the last set of dungeons that they put in. That dropped the item level of that dungeon was two thirty two, which made it better than war gear. They there was another armor pen trinket in that, but if you were an armor pen hog like everybody who was in melee, you just use both trinkets. Yep. So. You, we were still farming Nax, where the item level was, like, significantly lower. It was, like, item level 200 or 212 at the highest level. Um, you were still farming Nax for that trinket. Like, your rogues would be desperate to go get Grimtall. If there was any Nax pug, they would sign up for it because they wanted to get Grimtall. Because your your raid wasn't doing Nax anymore. You were in, like, you know, you were in Trial of Crusader. But people still wanted that trinket. It, it got... That and people forget that that's still a borrowed power system, and it's a borrowed power system that got exceedingly complex in Wrath of the Lich King. So my argument for a system that really didn't improve between the expansions is the gearing system in Wrath of the Lich King, which just got too complex. And as a result, I think every expansion since has been affected. The legacy of that of that gearing, that legacy is with us today. The fact that we item squished. And well, then they had levels, to. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely had to. And that expansion is why. Y- you we know what? Have,
1: You're right. And it, it, I I didn't think of it. That was really the birth of a power creep.
0: I mean, we had it before, but the, the relative power of a of a geared level 70 in Burning Crusade at the end of the expansion compared to the relative power of a geared level 80 at the end of Wrath of Lich King was, was... It was a gulf. There was a huge gulf. Yeah. And... Compare that to like geared versus ungeared. Like a, a character who just done dungeons, and 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 hadn't done any of the new dungeons with better loot, at just stepping into Wrath, you know, you're you're level eighty, you're just going to Naxx, you're at that level, because none of the new stuff's in yet. Naxx is the only raid in town, and the and Sarth and and Maligos are coming a little later. That character is between one eighty and two, I think two twelve is like the highest level gear they're going to have.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: And then go to the end of the expansion where you're like at 270 something. And it's just the, the relative power is enormous. I remember at the end of wrath of the king, like fury warriors were doing so much damage that like I could bring my undergeared fury warrior who's by undergeared. I mean, he was like around item level 255 five, two sixty. to I could bring him to five mans and do more damage than everybody else put together by a factor of two. Like, I would do 8,000 DPS, and the next highest guy was at, like, 3,000. Because of just how crazy the scaling was. Yeah. And I wasn't even that geared. There were people who were way better geared than me. There were people who had, like, full heroic 25-man gear. Um, They had a Shadow Morn in one hand and the sword off of uh, Arthas in the other. And they were just destroying meters. Because it was just, the gearing just got so crazy inflated. Um, And that's, every expansion after, if you look at Cataclysm, they were obviously trying to avoid that. While at the same time, they had to have multiple difficulties. So they they had to preserve that because they they put it in the game. They couldn't just rip it out. People would have lost their minds. So they were trying to preserve it. But at the same time, they didn't want the gear to get crazy. So they kept trying different ways to hold that system back. And that's what I think that's where the, the birth of what we've got now comes from. It's a system that isn't an immediate power upgrade, that it, it, it forces you to do stuff to get there. Um, but I think that's started to stagnate, and people want something else now. So I don't know where we're going to go with it, but that's definitely my nomination for that system.
1: Fair enough. I don't, I don't disagree with anything you also, said. I just got
0: back to you for all that drust talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough. You go
0: on. You go on for several minutes about the Drust, fine, I'll do itemization.
1: Listen, I feel passionate about my uh, my weird wicker people. All right, our next question. Hello, Joe and the Sasquatch. Uh, I was wondering what you think the biggest missed opportunity in the Warcraft setting, the story you most wish got told, the expansion that didn't quite live up to your expectations, or just something that hasn't been focused on yet that you'd expected or even just wanted. Thanks for the podcast and all you guys do. Davos the Hungerer from Airy Peak. That's a good question and probably a very hard question for us to answer. At least for me, it is because there's a lot. <laughs> there's so
0: there's many things I could. Yeah, I, I, I can't come up with just one. I could we could do this one all day, I think. Um, are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, I, I, I don't. I mean, it depends what you mean by missed opportunity. Um, I, I, the fact that we never got the Dragon Isles, that's a missed opportunity. I, I would have liked to have seen the Dragon Isles. They, they were working on them. Uh, they almost put them in um, in Vanilla WoW. They were they were going to be you know coming out after uh, Naxx. They were they were working on them the whole time, and then they just didn't happen. The uh, the battleground that was going to be in Ashara Crater, mm-hmm. that was that's a missed opportunity that I would have liked to have seen. Um, I feel like the, the fact that they've never really done as much with, like, certain races is a missed opportunity. Like, um, I feel like the Torin really should have had more focus than they ended up getting. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, for Alliance races, the, the Draenei kind of always get shoved into, like, you know, a corner. The, the fact that the Draenei show up in, in in Wrath ready to help and everyone's like, no. That's like, what? Why did you do that? That's dumb. Um, the, the the introduction of, of groups like the Tonka and the... I can't remember the Walrus people's name. Tuskar. Tuskar. The Tonka and the Tuskar felt like they should have gotten a lot more focus and, and should have been carried forward. Like yeah. You never see Tonka in the Horde now. No. Like Why aren't there Tonka in the Horde? There should be some Tonka. Uh, and, and not using the Tonka when Garash was doing his Dark Shaman thing was just... Like I was like, why not? They were built for that. They, they literally they punched spirits to get them to do what they want. This should absolutely be a thing. So yeah, there, there's a, there's a ton. Um, has me talking helped you go up with anything, or do I have to keep going? I
1: mean, honestly, that was where I was going to go. Is like a lot of the a lot of it really boils down to the races of of Azeroth. Like it's just a thing that I want explored more in general. It, like I go on about Tuskar all the time. Uh, not just as a playable race, but it, it's one of those those races that like was introduced to the game. I'm absolutely fascinated by. Um, it's just, I want more done with it. And, and like the Tonka, and and even the Quillbor, like they show up, they show up several places. But like, what do we really know about them in terms of game? Besides that, they're a blight on wherever they happen to be. Uh, we know that they're capable of way crazy arcane magics same thing with the fearbull we got some stuff with them when we were doing um legion and and doing uh that whole thing but like there's still more that could be done with them why 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 do they exist where are they elsewhere in the world what is their society really truly like uh i want more of that stuff which is why when like we talk about where we want future expansions to go i we tend to circle back to, like, this whole thing about exploration. Exploration isn't just about land, it's also about the people, right? It's about finding these cultures and exploring and being introduced to them in some capacity, and that's something I want them to do with pretty much all of these minor races that they've introduced at some point. Give us more about them. Tell us more about them. Let us see more. Involve them more. Like, you see a couple Tuskar in Helheim, When you go to see Helia, right? When you're doing that whole thing, there's a couple of them there. Why? We know that Helia was going after them at some point. We still don't know why. Like specifically, her Cavaldier, I think, was the the uh, water ones. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. they were going after them, but we still have no clue why. Why that was such an important target? They definitely seem to have some shamanistic traditions, but we don't know much more about that. They have. Uh, giant spirit totems that you can go and talk to and communicate with uh, ancient spirits through, which not a whole lot of races on Azeroth could do, so that's really kind of neat. There's just a lot that could be explored just in those. Uh, I don't think that any one expansion hasn't told a complete story or at least the story it wanted to with the exception of I originally would have said Burning Crusade but then we got Legion which kind of did finish it Burning, Legion was basically uh, the ending of Burning Crusade as far as I'm concerned um, which is probably a gross oversimplification but we kind of got that closure there's the only other story thread that I really want either a little bit more or a little bit more closure with is is Khadgar and Medivh. Medivh's kind of around, still sort of, maybe-ish? What's going on with that? Is Khadgar kind of like the new sort of guardian-type person? We haven't seen him in forever at this point. He was completely absent, at least from what I can remember from Battle for Azeroth. Like
0: he's in the pre-patch. He's like, I have to go back to Karazhan. And then it's the last you see him. It's like, you know, yeah. later on, it's like a, you know, Poochie uh, scratched out, you know, Cadgar died on his way to his home planet.
1: But, but that was a thread, right? Like they dropped that. And then we haven't done anything with it yet. Uh, we're dealing with the cosmic barriers between realms at this point. It seems like something that he would have been on about, especially with Karazhan being involved, which definitely exists in this weird space between reality and, uh, moving backwards through time because Karazhan. Like, there's so much more they could do with these things, but they just don't. So, I, I
0: part of it is that there's always that concept of there's an enormous cast, and they're trying to figure out who to focus on in each individual expansion. Like, they took Jaina out of play in Legion almost entirely, and then they brought her back in Battle for Azeroth. And because of the way that things worked out in Legion, where Jaina was the head of the Carin Tor and essentially, she quit because they wouldn't listen to her um, because she became so prominent in Battle for Azeroth and is still kind of prominent in Shadowlands. It kind of it edged the entire Kirin Tor out. Mm-hmm. The Kirin Tor have gone back to being fully neutral. And oddly enough, being fully neutral in World of Warcraft is almost a death sentence for your involvement in the game. Oh, yeah. It was the last time the scenario circle did anything useful.
1: Uh, barely, you know, they, barely in Legion.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're in Legion, and they're, they're a little bit in Battle for Azeroth. Well, and they're, they're like, in Silithus. We're us. trying to heal the world, and meanwhile, everything's going on. It's just like, I honestly, that's one of the things that I, I liked about the Battle for Azeroth changes to Malfurion, and it's one of the reasons I'm a little upset that he isn't around right now, is because in in Battle for Azeroth, Malfurion finally just starts wrecking fools, you know, and he finally just starts killing hordes. No more of this neutrality, no more of this, you know, well, both sides. Nope, Malfurion is a night elf and he's defending his people. I like that. I think we, we should have seen more of that. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, that's one thing. There's a lot of things. that It's not that they're... When you say they're a missed opportunity, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily what they did is bad. It just means there's so much stuff we'd like to see. Yeah, I think that's a really good way um, I, to put it. I feel like World as a Draenor itself ended up as a missed opportunity, because the leveling was so good. But then, like, you get the first patch, and then nothing till, like, the Hellfire patch. And the Hellfire patch is this enormous thing, but it's like, the, the expansion felt short. At the same time that it took forever to get done. But you just, you got this first raid tier, and then this raid tier, and we're done. And uh, compare it to Legion... Which has you know a lot of content, a lot of raids, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Battle for Azeroth had like you know multiple raid tiers. Um, Shadowlands we have no idea, but it, it Warlords felt really sh- like truncated. It felt like we just it, it just existed to get us to the point where Gul'dan 2 gets to Azeroth and bad stuff starts happening on Azeroth because of Warlords that's what it felt like like the actual story of the the warlords the story of the alternate Draenor doesn't really get explored like I expected it to especially because again the leveling was so good the leveling really did tell a lot of interesting stories and then we get to like the end and the, the garrison campaign type stuff is really weird because it doesn't always spawn in the right place for people and you ended up like waiting and waiting and waiting for this quest to happen so you could move on um you didn't know well the quest guy is actually underneath a tree in your garrison. Like, really? <laughs> Couldn't someone have told me that? I didn't know that guy was there. Um so yeah, there was a there was a lot of issues about Warlords that I felt like like it's not a bad expansion. I actually think it's pretty good. It's it's really nice to level through again. That's one of my favorite leveling experiences. But it did feel like rushed. It felt like we just we barely got through the first tier of raiding and then nothing for a long time except a camera. And then, bam, last tier of the expansion. And, and it's like, all this stuff that was set up with the Warlords, and you just completely flipped the script, and now they're they're all fell orcs again. Like, really? That, that felt fast. So yeah, I, I feel like I feel like there was, if they could have gotten another tier in between those two tiers in Warlords, if there had been uh, another story beat, like you, where you got to see the Iron Horde retrenching and, and developing and trying to push through, and there'd been a new raid, like maybe an Down raid, or not an down Shatreth, something where you go directly after the Legion, that might have been cool, and might have made it feel more cohesive. So that might be my biggest regret that we didn't get more of that expansion uh, to, to really flesh out the story. But I get why it didn't work out that way. Uh, I think development team was an issue. They were tr- They were just expanding the team and there was a lot of catching up and learning to be done. And they were also working on Legion at the same time, so yeah, I I that I think that would be my my argument for the missed opportunity. I feel the worst about.
1: Fair enough. All right, uh, our next one comes from War uh, War Ancient. Uh, Do you think they will ever make a Warcraft Two film? Popcorn movie camera question uh, mark If they did, what time frame characters would you like to see it set? Um, I don't know. I know they've teased about it a little bit. Uh. The director of the first movie has has had a few tweets where I'm pretty sure he's flat out said, I'd like to do this. Um, I don't know if they ever will, uh, but honestly, if they ever do, I just want them to keep going with where, where they left off. Like, just literally pick right up and deal with the aftermath of everything that happened. Um, And it almost feels like they're setting up like an alternate universe where they can do whatever they want and sort of fully realize the cinematic experience that they've been trying to to capture in a different way. And I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I would be absolutely fine if they just keep doing that and sort of for not for not ignore, but don't feel like they have to stick 100 percent adhered to the story that has already come before. Right, And I think that's that's part of the joy of its It wasn't a perfect one-to-one retelling of everything that came before it. It had new bits. It had new rearrangements of it. Uh, somebody once told me it was the Warcraft remix. Uh, but it's not wrong. And I'm fine if they just keep going with that. Deal with the aftermath. Deal with what happens after that. Uh, maybe start dealing with the whole Lich King uh, scenario. How does that start happening? Uh, there's so much more that could be done that would be very very neat to see on screen that honestly if they make a movie whatever they do i'll probably enjoy it
0: i think uh one of the things that i I, first off i'm pretty sure i'm the one that said the remix thing uh yeah probably the thing about the warcraft movie is it it didn't always pull it off but what it was going for you could tell it was going for and this is because Duncan Jones is an amazing director. I mean, if you haven't seen Moon, go see Moon. Um, but one of the things it was obviously going for was to set up future stuff. And the other thing it was obviously going for was that that concept of hit all the high notes, not necessarily do everything that happened before. You just you want to have you want to have the big confrontation between Lothar and and and, and you know an orc warrior you want to have that moment but you don't necessarily want it to go the same way it did in in the original you you want to have the beats that that are quintessentially warcraft but they don't necessarily all have to flow in the exact same order in the exact same way so the orcs there's you know y- you don't have the you have the warcraft 1 story basically it's basically warcraft 1 um but it doesn't have the orcs don't They're not the monsters they were in Warcraft 1. If you go play Warcraft 1, none of the the conflict is there. None of the concept of, you know, hey, this is wrong. The character of Durotan, I don't even remember if he's in Warcraft 1. If he is, he certainly isn't. Like, they don't depict any orc as conflicted or just trying to survive and save their people. That's not how it was. Because Warcraft 1 is basically just a reskinned Warhammer game. And we forget this. So they're taking Warcraft 1 and they're using it uh, wh- one of my favorite uh, books, it's a book written by Stephen King called Dance Macabre mm-hmm. and it's a book about writing it's a book about horror and horror fiction and how horror fiction happens and one of those paragraphs, one of the chapters in the book, he talks about writing Salem's Lot and he says with Salem's Lot what I did was I took the original Dracula and I kind of played handball with it. I-, I threw a ball at. I threw my ideas at Dracula and I let them bounce off of it, and I'm like, "What? If, what happens here?" Like, there's a scene that where the characters try to go down into a basement, and in his, the original version, he was going to have the basement stairs been sawed away at a certain point when they were in the dark, and like knives placed so the person would fall on the knives and, and be impaled. But they they basically used the used warcraft one the original warcraft as that that that's the they, they're they playing handball with it when you watch the movie it takes warcraft one but it like uses the entirety of warcraft as the ball they're like what if the orcs are conflicted here what if the things are different here what if we take the all the stuff we know and we put it into the original and expand it out and that's why it feels different so I, I would be okay with with having an, oh, another Warcraft movie by Duncan Jones. I think he did a really good job, actually. I like that movie. So, I yeah. do, too. Uh-huh. I
1: really enjoyed it. So... But I think that's going to have to be it for us today. Yeah, I think that's going to bring us right at the time. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and Nats an free site experience.
0: Thank you very much, Joe, and thank you guys for being here with us, both on the live chat and like listening to this later. If you have a question for the show, again, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com, with is a "plain podcast at blizzardwatch, or you can go to our Discord, the Patreon Q and podcast questions channel, or the Q questions channel, and ask us there. Thank you guys again. Really, it's great that you're here with us. We love doing the show. Uh, we're going to be back next week, so hope you're here with us.